The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Yo, what's going on, people? Welcome to the Miles Mikulski podcast, where we talk to some of your favourite artists and talk all things music-related, mainly hip-hop, but, you know, we might have to fling in a few things along the way. If you enjoy any of the content, make sure you follow me on socials, at Miles Mikulski. Basically, it's in my name. If you're listening to it right now, you'll be able to see my name right there. I ain't going to spell it out, because that's kind of long still. But follow me on socials to keep updated on who the next guest will be in the future. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into another episode of the Mars Mikulski podcast. What's going on, people? Right now, I am joined by two guys who are multi-talented and have been doing their craft for quite a while now. We've come to this big, big project sounding amazing. I'm not going to lie. Anytime I hear a trumpet, I, I, I like the song already. I like the song already. It's, it's that simple. Corner, Ivan, Brass Tracks, what are you guys saying? Thank you for having us. What did you say? Where are we? What? <laughs> where, where are you? What? What? What are you? What are you guys saying? That means how? Oh, are you? <laughs> you guys! I thought you said. I thought you said. Where are you guys sitting? Oh no 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 no! Like, no, no. I'm I'm sitting in my chair. So, if you'd like to see it. Oh dear! You're re- you're, you're trashing the accent already. It's bad. <laughs> We're here now. Obviously, the big project Golden Ticket has come out, and it's got a lot of love. It's got a lot of support. Obviously, you've had a couple of tracks that came out slightly beforehand, the one with Masego and Common, which was also called Golden Ticket. How was the response and how has it been to kind of get this one out? This is the, the big debut project. Oh, geez. Um, you know, we've been working on this project for like, probably like what feels like two years, right? But okay. really, it feels like the culmination of a lot longer than that. Um, like me and Connor and I started this Brass Tracks journey, I think six years ago yeah 2014 it was like a year after we had uh left msm yeah um manhattan school of music shout out msm uh and neither of us expected this to go the way it would but like when things started rolling i think in the back of both of our heads we always knew there would eventually be an album yeah um the fact that it took six years is funny that we like <laughs> years for us to get there but like it, it's it, it's really rewarding. Um, it's really strange in the time. Um, it's 
I don't know. I, I I'm I'm doing my best to just appreciate the journey to get up to this point. You know, from being yeah. like from being completely indie in a basement to like just go like making music with our friends to getting reached out to by by a couple like bigger artists and then yeah. all of a sudden we're working with distros and like publishing companies and then like a major label wants to work with us and we're like what what are you talking about we're mm. just a trumpet player and a drummer <laughs> um, and I. Uh, it's 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 really humbling to think about it in the macro like when six years you know, mm. it feels good and all of the support has been great it's yeah been, I mean, even I mean, through uh, all the craziness <laughs> <laughs> i mean connor talk us through some of the stuff that's notable on the journey so far like how how has that been obviously i've been spoken about the step from the very beginning to now what's some of the things that has, have been notable for you um i mean just when we were first starting out, we were recording everything in Ivan's basement, like Ivan was saying, and pretty DIY, you know, yeah. just kind of doing uh, what we can, what we could to record, which was, you know, not a lot. And now, over the last six years, I mean, we've both gotten pretty fascinated with the mixing process and the recording process, and uh, the recording process is such an art form in and of itself. You know, you think of like production and at least within modern production, you think of like a lot of things are done within the computer, but since now working in like studios and stuff and having friends who are mixing engineers, I mean, the recording process is like, there's so many microphones. There's so many different types of microphones yeah. and uh, mic placement. And like when you move mics, a couple inches it changes the source i mean i don't know that's something we're both getting into and before i just remember when we were like recording when we first started out, i was like yeah throw some mics on the drums what kind of mics i have no idea it's shaped like a microphone it'll <laughs> it'll capture the sound all good and then like did everything in ableton just kind of like which also has a beauty too like just capture just capture capture the music that also has a beauty too and I, I guess i don't know it's nice to it's nice to have both to see, come from one side of the spectrum and end up on the other and i guess you, you have more of a depth that way i don't know yeah, yeah. i mean i i hear that I and mean, as you're talking i'm thinking to myself the importance of a good mix mm. is so under underrated because there's so many songs that have the potential to be really good but because they're mixed poorly they lose all their potential yeah you're right um i yeah we we uh, we have a really good relationship with a couple mixing engineers one is john costelli the other is miles walker and they're the two guys that tackled this project now like i you know we're we're obviously extremely biased um on on our on our mixes because we, yeah. we approved them you know <laughs> we went through many, many passes to get there. And like, you know, we do our pre-mixes and pre -mix for us, like what, I'm also a mixing engineer. Connor does the mixing himself, but like we've never touched a brass tracks project mm. post 2015, just too much of a behemoth, you know? Yeah. But again, I, I, I might be a little bit biased, but I couldn't speak on having one of the best, you know, albums of 2020. I think those, those lists are silly, but I could speak on having some of the one of the best mixed albums and that's not because of us that's because of john costelli and miles walker and they really took what we did and brought it to the next level and what you said is everything like a mix can make or break 
the music, especially when there's so many moving parts, like in our music, and like yeah. it's just it, it can either be really dynamic and you can feel everything, or it could be a hot garbage fire of sound against a wall. It's like yeah. one or the other. Um, and we worked long and hard to get uh, uh, to that point, that dynamic point. Um, and it wasn't easy for, for Costelli and for Miles. And I, I really want to shout them out on how, how well they did. It's just unbelievable. And, and uh, another, like we had like a mixed consultant almost, uh, who is also a live sound guy, John Graber, um, who was helping us like communicate and into proper mixed terms, things that we wouldn't be able to, you know, say to a mixing engineer to get it to the next place. And he's like, oh, this is what you want. Yeah, that process, you know, that was a fascinating process where we're, where we really are producers at heart, uh, musicians at heart, but then yeah. like the next job title is like producers. I, I hate um, and then later down the line somewhere, it's mixing engineers. <laughs> they, they are mixing engineers. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. So I, I want to shout them out. Yeah. You know, I think what I liked is that they were able to to keep the humanization of you guys playing your live instrumentation as well. Because sometimes you can hear, when you're listening to, like, especially, like, a lot of kind of jazz when it's infused with hip-hop and stuff, you can kind of tell it's being played through, like, MIDI. Or it's being played Mm -hmm. through something else. Whereas with you guys, you can kind of tell. You can feel the energy and the the excitement where you guys wanted to be hyper. I'm not going to lie, Disco Break, the first one, I was so upset when that just cut and you guys were laughing through it. (laughs) So I I had my head bopping so much to it. And I was enjoying it. And I was like, why is this not a full like this? I know there's Disco Break 2 in there as well, but Disco Break 1, that was the the one for me. I can't lie to you guys. We got to call Rob. Gotta call Rob and make an extended version. You need to, or you need to tell him to make Black Radio free and jump on it. You need to do something else. That's not a bad idea. <laughs> I'm just putting uh, ideas out there. Well, uh, one can only ask. It's true. You can only ask. He might. He might say yes. He might be working on it right now. We don't know. Honestly, Rob is the coolest dude. Like he, he, if if the answer was no, if we asked and he was like no, he would say it in the funniest way that would like <laughs> make it all good and be like, ah, okay. Like mm. we had the best session with it. We tell this story in damn near every interview. We, we had one session with Robert Glasper and we have three songs out with Robert Glasper. Now. Mm-hmm. So if you're an artist, you know, that's possible. You don't, yeah. you don't get three songs out of a session, especially not a three hour session. Yeah. A session only three hours long. That's, that's crazy. Cause most sessions are long. <laughs> that's not even, not even the best part. The first two hours and 45 minutes were taken up by you know, Connor and I are just like, I remember us getting in the studio with Robert Glasper and like the the moments leading up to it. Like, are we really doing this? Are we really about to go in the studio with like our absolute idol? Like mm. there are a lot of things to be said about every feature on this album, but Robert yeah. Glasper is special for a lot of reasons um, for us. And I think that he might be the last, um, the last great influential jazz musician you know everything after rob might feel might might feel like a little bit more you know the word jazz is being absorbed by ever all these genres and i love that but mm. rob, robert glasper is like one of these last like infamous blue note artists Those, yeah. Yeah. so I'm, i mean to be fair with you guys infusing a lot of hip-hop into your sound like if you went and just did like a whole jazz album 
I would say you guys are in that bracket. We've talked about it. Like, in in good fun, we'll be like, hey, maybe we'll do a jazz quintet album. Mm. Where do the uh, hip-hop influences come from then? Well, from what side? Obviously, you guys are from, what, Brooklyn? Uh, I'm from Manhattan. Manhattan. And, is it Man- and Connor, are you from Brooklyn? No, I'm actually from, originally from New Jersey. Okay. So yeah. I, know they're, I know they're close to New York, so... I know that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't see. I grew up in Jersey. Seriously. Yeah, true. I think I went there once when I was like 11, so I don't remember anything that happened in Jersey. Jersey. Jersey is dope. <laughs> yeah, but, I don't know why it gets yeah. such a bad rap, but. Uh, Jersey Shore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that... that's why. Yeah. That's... Every... <laughs> Ten years ago, everyone was on that show and they were just cussing that show. Heaven, like, it was. Yeah. yeah. It's not a good representation of what it is. <laughs> <I> mean... <laughs> Growing up, Obviously, you know, relatively in, I'm assuming, like, urban areas, you know, cities. Like, what were you guys listening to that helped kind of shape the brass track sound? Apart from, obviously, Robert Glassboro as well. Well, since we're talking about hip-hop, I mean, in high school, I remember getting introduced to um, Slum Village and Jay Dilla. That was probably my introduction into, like, like loving hip-hop you know because like i had been checking it out before that um i mean since i was a little kid actually i mean the first hip-hop record i listened to was word of mouth by Ludacris. i thought that that was a i mean that's like that came out when i was like what six or seven I mean, that, I remember freaking out as a kid because the drums, like the drums are so powerful and front and center and like the loudest thing in hip hop. So I always identified with that. And, but like when I really started studying it, I would say that was probably high school with Slum Village, Jay, Jay Dilla. Um, obviously getting into Questlove, like heavy on the Roots records and the D'Angelo record. And... Um, I mean, yeah, those are like two, I could go on and on with the list, but those are like the two first influences that really made me start studying hip hop uh, from a drums perspective. Okay. And then from the the trumpet perspective, right, obviously, or even from music perspective, I don't want to split it down to the two instruments as a whole anyway, but like what other like musicians or genres help kind of shape your sounds because obviously there's there's two separate sounds that work well together but they're very separate at the same time so so Ivan what I'll say this I'll say it slowly what are you saying (laughs) (laughs) uh I cool so it's funny you you said like it's um it's two separate separate things or something along the lines of like yeah the way that i kind of the connor and i look at it is like connor is connor is rhythm i am harmony and we help each other on either side okay. like it's not like it's not like a you know connor is rhythm god over like i'm not i'm not like really what connor wants to play is gonna work yeah 99 out of 100 times and maybe that one out of 100 times maybe like maybe throw in a kick drum here or something like that <laughs> like you know, like when oh, oh, when I hear Connor play drums, it's I come up with chord progressions that work over what he. We just know each other pretty well. Yeah. Um, and 
Connor might hear something that I do. He's like, maybe don't do that second chord. Just stay on the first chord and move over to the third chord. And then on the second time around, like stay on the two chord. I'm like, oh, that was, yeah. And that's kind of how we make our band class videos. Okay. Uh, we have a series on YouTube. Um, where, you know, but like we have, we have our res uh, respective ways of thinking, you know, mm -hmm. ways of creating. Um, but we can think from the other side too. And my, my side uh, on in terms of like where my where I come up with chords and melodies and stuff based off of what Connor is drumming along to or what, what Connor would be Connor is coming up with at the time um, comes from a mixture of uh, a lot of gospel originally um, and like the earlier brass track stuff is very like, gospel music influence and a lot of like gospel hip hop music influence so like yeah. You can trace it that stuff back to so like the older Kanye. Like I was a graduation head in okay. high school. Graduation came out and it, it changed my life. Um, uh, but and I know lots of people would not put that as their top Kanye album, but for me it was. It's, um, it's I'd say like hmm. I put it top three. I put it top three. I think the first one, College Dropout, is number one still. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Wait, who? Wait, who said? Who said it wasn't? Uh, oh, but just like there's there's a there's a series of people that think that like the later uh, uh, it's not I I I'm gonna get cast on. <laughs> I, I just like I think all the earlier Kanye stuff is. It, I'm not gonna make a statement. I'm gonna say what I think. What I like. I yeah. like the earlier Kanye stuff better than the later Kanye stuff. Yeah. Uh, politics and all. So uh, that's that's where I'll keep it. But I. You know, graduation was a big thing for me. Uh, in middle school, Jay-Z, I mean, in, in life, Jay-Z was a big thing for me. Uh, and I always have heard, like, extremely soulful samples in that music. And then at the same time, I was studying jazz trumpet, like, like a, you know, the same way that Connor was studying jazz drums. Like, we were practicing for hours and hours and hours yeah. every day because, you know, that was the norm. Um, and you want to uh, get, you want to get better at your craft as well, so... Oh yeah, um, yeah. You're just like in in high school, you just want to be the best, like the best Pokemon trainer, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah. So weird. Um, but yeah, so like after so all that jazz background, the gospel stuff, and then like the people that sampled gospel, jazz, and soul. Um, I it now we have the Jay Dilla uh, influences, and Connor. I'll also say like when we started together, we were both really into electronic music too. And like, yeah, that's, I was. That's we for, we for, we forget about that. I mean, yeah. Flying Lotus, subtract like the there the, we go. The brain feeder scene from like 2010, 2011. Um, subtract, subtract, uh, big one for yeah. us at the very beginning. Mm. Like, but we were like subtract and Sampha. Oh my God! It's like that, that. What twenty? I think it was like 2010 to 2014 run when it was yeah. like the biggest. Yeah, it was crazy. Amazing. Yeah, you know, Tiesto. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Diplo still, he just dropped the album. He's still very important when it comes to music and how it's consumed as well. Yeah. Actually, not going to lie, that one album was also a big influence on us. Um, you know which one I'm talking about, Ivan? The... I, I do. We, we, we definitely, what was it called? Is it the one with the green brontosaurus or whatever? I sure. think so. I, I forgot the name of it. Yeah. It is, it is what it is. But 
Talking about, you know, the gospel samples and the references, though. So let's talk about the, the placement where a lot of guys would have been put onto you, which is the Chance Rapper placement for No Problem, which obviously had the gospel sample at the beginning. You've got the choirs and everything going off in the background as well. It was a big record. It was like one of the biggest records of 2016. And you guys, you know, were the, the, the masterminds behind that record. So, like, Connor, when you got that call to say that you're on, you're on the placement, and you guys will be working with Chance. Where were you? At what point of your career were you? And how did it even feel to be kind of getting put on that type of placement? I think we were, well, okay. We're in, I remember when we found out, weren't we in, I, I think we were in Ivan's Kitchen in Brooklyn. And I just remember being like, what? It was like Us? Twitter. <laughs> it was like, you were, weren't you there when we got the tweet? I think so. We were like yeah. in the same room in, in the kitchen and we were just kind of like, really? It almost didn't feel real. I mean, that was still at a point. I remember being very, um, I don't know. I was still like practicing drums, like all, you know, a ton. Like I was just still in this um, mastering my craft headspace. And like, I'm, I'm not, I haven't abandoned that, but you know, it's, it's just funny because when things like that happen and you're just, it, they, it, I don't know. It's some, it, it is, it's like half a sign like, Oh, this is cool. Like things are coming to a fruition, but also at the same time I was like, yeah, I just gotta go, I gotta go work on my single stroke rolls after this though. So it's like very like, <laughs> I don't know. I just remember being this very like still, Oh yeah, that's cool. But I still need to work headspace, which looking back, I almost wish I just would have appreciated it more. But I mean, we did, we, we, we went in and, and did our thing and um, it was like, yeah, it was a little bit starstruck kind of feeling when we got in there got in the room. Like, what is this? I remember we walked in and blood pop was, playing playing off these like just one one after another like amazing beats he was making we don't have a chance of getting on this album oh yeah yeah exactly like because at that point too we were using ableton and like that was definitely part of our workflow but i definitely felt like I was still shedding that stuff, you know, getting using, getting used to using that as a creative voice. So to walk into this room, Chance the Rapper, his whole team, and Blood Pop, who's like an Ableton master. And we didn't even mention the parking sign outside. You remember oh, the, yeah. the reserved parking? Yes, reserved parking for Flying Lotus, who's oh, like, wow. you know, a hero. We were like, what? This is bizarre. What is, what are we doing here? <laughs> I was so scared. Uh, oh God, we put on a brave face though. Listen, you lot came out with one of the best like tracks off the tape. So what more could you ask mm. for? Sometimes the, the nerves, they help, you know, push through more quality. We prepared a lot of music for him and it, we, we, we played 40 songs before we got to No Problem. So mad. Oh, yeah. So like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that we thought that he'd take, but he was like, I don't want this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was that that I think that showed how green we were at the time um and if you like look at the trajectory like we had like if we look back it we had to shed a little bit more like Connor said like to get to the point where we can actually start like doing things like no problem on the regular like and we still don't 
you know, it's not like we're, I don't know if we will ever get a song as big as No Problem again. I don't, if we I'm don't, sure you will. maybe sure you will. If, if we don't, I don't really, ah, te- I mean, like technically Watermelon Sugar is, they just go number one, but, uh, but um, it's uh, a different kind of different thing. Cause yeah. you know, Watermelon Sugar, I uh, like, like got to do like a, a small piece of, uh, and no problem was like, I remember that beat being created in my basement, you know, like it's just, just a different feeling. So my point being, if we never get a song that big again, I don't care. That was an amazing moment, but like, we were very green. We went into sessions with like, I'm not going to name names, but like, you know, the pe- the people that you would think you'd go into sessions with after you get a number one, or like not a number one, but like well, a big hit with Chance the Rapper. We did the whole rigmarole and it wasn't necessarily for us. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it was because it was too early for us. I'm not sure if it was because we're just not cut out for going into sessions and playing person after person, beat after beat, trying to create a beat on the spot with someone looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Ooh, not fun. Um, So we went into creation mode and we were like gonna make for those who know. And like, that's when we made, started making projects for our fans that like, this was, you know, we, we had just, we had already finished Good Love. Um, and we started with, for those who know, and we, we, we took a, a hard left um, because I think of a mixture of wanting to get back to our roots, not being sure what we wanted to do for the rest of our careers and yeah. not feeling super comfortable in our skin at the moment. Mm. I mean that's important to to think because a lot of people out there who they they might not be at that level where they're fortunate enough to get a big placement you know right right or like not straight away but what at that time it was two years into when you guys really formed together and like Connor how important is it to actually be there in the room with the artist when you're cooking up a beat or a whole vibe instead of it just being sent for an email. Oh, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, sometimes the email thing works, like the internet, uh, sending something to the internet, it, it works, but... Um, it's never as good. Yeah, there's a magic that happens. There's a magic when you get into the room and, I mean, the best music comes out of maybe like, however long at the beginning, just having a conversation and getting to know the person and... Uh, getting to know what they're about and their um, artistic artistic intention maybe and yeah in the room is better because it's you know it's reality you you get to know the person and yeah yeah, you're just reacting off of them in the room and you make something unique you know it makes something special yeah to connor's point like to point back to the robert glasper stuff like we had three hours to record four songs with him we spent two hours and 45 minutes talking his yeah. son was there. We were having a good time. We were laughing. We were talking about things that we had in common. Oh my God, there's 15 minutes left of the session. Connor and Rob go in the studio and bang out four ideas in 15 minutes. That's how important being, getting to know somebody in the room is. Yeah. Like, it, it makes all the difference. That chemistry is something, yeah, like, is again, something underrated for a lot of people because sometimes people just think, apart from obviously now with lockdown where you can't necessarily go to someone's studio as much, but before it's important to get to know somebody and going through like you know golden ticket and going through the project so how close are you with all the acts because there's a few people that make you know like repeats on the on the tape but there's a few other people like Ali Suleiman, Sam Henshaw who even Common and Masego who are one-offs on the tape itself so how close are you with all of them? 
Um, the only person that we on the project that we like really don't know, regrettably so, is Common. Uh, and if Common, if you see this, we'd love to meet you. Big fan. Uh, <laughs> for being on Golden Ticket. Basically, the way that Golden Ticket came about was we we made the beat, sent it to Masego. Sego came up with this really great idea for it. Um, and we we talked with Masego for months uh, on who to get. Yeah. And, and it, it, the general consensus was always, I think it should be common. I think it, this just sounds like it should be common. And we're just like, how the hell do we get common? And then somehow our manager came through and, and did one of those things that it's just like, yo, I, I got a line. Uh, I sent the song. He likes it. He's going to get in the studio next week. That's what you it always want to hear. It just happens so quickly. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I feel like I know him now that, uh, we did a pre-med <laughs> on his music and like moved his vocals around. But uh, yeah, everybody else. Uh, by the way, I, I, I yeah, I hope that didn't come off as insensitive to, at all. Comment. No, no, no. We really want to be friends with you, comment. We swear we really do. Listen, uh, what, what we'll have to do? We'll have to get a snippet of this and send it to Coven. Yeah, I just text it. it. Turns out you guys are best friends. You're gonna text it like <laughs> an asshole. Listen, you guys, listen, you guys are closer to Coven than I am, so you're fine. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I mean, now that we have a song together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Addie Sullivan and Sam actually you mentioned them. I they weren't like our close friends before this album, but they sure as hell are now. Like mm. they they are two really, really good dudes. Like I, uh, I'm really happy that I met both of them. Like I would just hang out with either of them. We spent a good amount of time with Sam in both London and New York. Um, uh, we spent a good amount of time with Addie, London and New York. Addie flew out to finish movie and we had one or maybe two days in the studio. And then like me and him went out one night and he's just like the most fun dude to go yeah. like, just meet people with like, he's a great people person. Um, if you get him talking about boxing, he'll just show you how to box randomly. Yeah. I talked to him about Does football. he box? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dude, I got to hit him up because I'm trying to do that. I, yeah. I want to learn to box. Yeah. It's he's risky. Just, like, it's risky. You, might, you don't want to get punched in the face. Off guard. You got to keep your guard up. Yeah. How do you tell you exactly why? You got to keep yeah. your guard He's like, no, because you go here and bah! He, like, take someone's arm in the middle of a bar. You're like, it's three in the morning, Addy. Like, mm -hmm. three in the morning. Listen, this is uh, why I just talked to Addy about fantasy football, and that's it. Yeah, that's where our friendship ends. Do you know what I mean? We end no, at that point. That's <laughs> funny. That's funny. But, so, like, okay, so we've got all these. Actually, who is, um? because there's a few names on there. So is it, what, Victoria Canal, yeah. I think? What, Jackson, Jackson Lundy? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then Lawrence as well. So they're another like their names I haven't heard of before. So like, are they? I don't want to dis put disrespect on their names or anything, but are they new artists or people that you've worked with, like family, like family friends? Because like Lawrence, I was searching for a surname, and it was just Lawrence. So yeah, I was, yeah. yeah. So so Lawrence is a band. It's actually a brother sister duo. Okay. Um. Uh, well, we we figured this out later. They're from twenty blocks downtown of where I grew up, which is funny. Okay, uh, yeah, uh, and they're actually I wouldn't call them new artists necessarily. They have a they have a couple albums out, and like I, I remember listening to their uh, um, their album and their most recent album when I was in New Orleans with Connor. 
Um, it was like three in the morning and I ordered like a, a, a very fried fish sandwich. And I was just like, <laughs> I was just like so hungry. And I finally got this fish sandwich and I opened up my, my email and I get an email from Clyde Lawrence of Lawrence. Their last name is Lawrence. Okay. Um, there you go. So yeah, there we go. Uh, and he's just like, yo, just wanted to shoot you over our album. And I spent the next 45 minutes losing my mind because um, <laughs> it's so good. And it had so many influences of like what Connor and I like. Uh, so like, yeah, I emailed him back right then and there. It was like, dude, where have you been? And it turns out that he had been 20 blocks downtown from me his entire life. Um, and we just got in the studio after that. Clyde and Gracie are two extremely talented individuals. Um, so then Jackson Lundy, you said, uh, Jackson is a funny story. I used to be Jackson's high school teacher. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Showing my age. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, actually I got, I got hired probably way too young to be a high school teacher. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you're, you're referencing Pokemon. So I reckon you're, you're in your twenties. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, I was like 21 yeah. teaching 15, 14 year olds. Like the, it was really, it, it was really, really great. Yeah. But like in the grand scheme of things, like it was interesting having, it was a very, very young faculty at the school that I was working at. Um, and I think that was kind of the, the idea is get, get younger cats in the jazz scene to come in, like show. Show the next generation show the next generation which is like you know a, a cool idea a little bit of a double-edged sword in some ways but a really cool cool idea and it, it did work for some of those kids and jackson lundy was one of them um and i just kind of kept in contact and like just kept looking at me he went to berkeley after high school was looking at the music he was putting out and then all of a sudden uh he put out uh one project uh or maybe there's a song called calypso and it, like, it got several, several million on Spotify. I was like, what happened, Jackson? And then I kind of, I look into it more. Jackson and I start talking. I'm like, Jackson, send me some music. And the first thing Jackson sends me makes me cry. I'm like, you're kidding. Where, where have you been? Uh, and that, the rest is history. We, we have an entire project that we produce for Jackson that's going to come out later. Crazy. Uh, and then Victoria, I know through Julius Rodriguez, who is the pianist on almost every song on Golden Ticket. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and I know also through Lawrence, which is funny. Um, so I was introduced to her music. Just a friend showed me a, a, a demo that she had, I think. And um, Oh, and Elliot Skinner, who was the other person on Will Call. Elliot Skinner was a part of a band called Third Story. Um, so we had wrote the song Will Call with Elliot Skinner and we really wanted a female counterpart, someone who could be like, like a haunting voice that could be on that second verse. Yeah. And the minute I heard Victoria, I was like, this is amazing. Let's get in the studio, see if it works. And mm. it worked. You know what I like is the fact that you've got such a community with your music at the same time the 20 blocks away story, everyone knowing each other in that sense. And obviously I know the, the music industry in itself is, it's a, it's, even though it's international, obviously I'm talking to you from London right now, it's a small game. Do you know what I mean? So, but the fact that you've got like the little personal stories in there as well makes a big difference. But talking about, um, you know, the future as actually, before I even talk about the future, we can talk about the future in a minute. Golden Ticket, obviously that's affiliated with like, or synonymous with Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and et cetera, et cetera. So why did you guys want to run with uh, that idea for the, for the project in the first place? 
Um, well, it's funny because the Sega actually like the words "Golden Ticket" came from Sega. Okay. Sure. He wrote the Golden Ticket chorus over that song. We didn't consider Golden Ticket the name of the album for a long time. Okay. Um, it started out as we were in a Nordstrom working for Mark Ronson. We were shopping for an outfit to wear on a late night show with Mark Ronson. And we were, I, you know, we had just finished working on his album. Uh, and uh, Connor got to be a part of Nothing Breaks Like a Heart with Miley. And I got to be a part of the songs with Yabba. Um, and it was a ton of fun. And, but we were kind of like having a, not glass half full or glass half empty, just like a, a very blunt conversation about the state of the music industry. Yeah. And talking about like, you know, how we hope that these songs go because if these don't go, then we're going to be here today going tomorrow. And we looked at each other at that moment. We were like, oh, that's a great title for an album. Here today, gone tomorrow. That's great. And as we got on, we were like, that's dark. That's really dark. <laughs> Set yourself up for failure there. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we kind of flipped it later. Uh, the, the concept of the golden ticket is much more like, what is a golden ticket for a trumpet player and a drummer? Like, yeah. what, is, what does it mean for us to be on a major label? Um, our concept of a golden ticket is to be able to make music at the highest level with your friends and put it out to the world and have somebody like, you know, help you with that big red button. That's our golden ticket. But everybody else probably thinks it's like crazy, like whatever success means to the normal person, right? Mm. And I don't know if we'll ever get there um, to that that point, that stereotypical point. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to. So it's kind of like a, it, it, it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek thing. That, okay. Uh, but at the same time, it's like a declaration of like, this is our golden ticket. Um, it may, it, I think it just makes sense. Well, I'm happy that you feel that way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I listen, it's, it's it, like so far from what I'm hearing from what you guys are talking about and from what I know as well, like everything is, some of the stuff has kind of happened so quickly and you guys have been able to adapt and adjust. We, I guess we have to. Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's important to, and Connor, like, I know you guys had this conversation already, but Connor, the ideal so you've had this first this first tape now it's out it's got a big reaction a lot of people are loving the tracks i'm assuming some of the tracks will go further than where they're already at at the moment because some more and more people will come back to the tape and it's one of those timeless tapes where like right now 2020 lockdown you know think about 2021 people will come back so on and so forth but for the ideal brass tracks album say in two years now once this one's kind of had time to digest and people have broken it down, who or what sound would you go for? I know I'm pushing you guys into the future right now, but I know you guys have thought about this already. But Connor, take it away. Take it away. Drop some gems on us. Just the dirtiest heavy metal you could imagine. Okay, like, I don't know if I'm listening to that one. <laughs> double kick drum. Ivan's got his horn running through distortion pedals. Like crazy. No, no. Yep. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to lie. I don't think I mean, you're going to do a follow-up interview for that one. <laughs> I know, right? Honestly, it's really hard to, to think that far ahead, even though it's only two years. Like, it changes so much. Like, your your tastes change as you get older and new, you digest new information. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, what the sound will be, what the ideal sound will be in two years. We, we will only know when it comes time to start chipping away at that um, piece, 
you know? Yeah. Joe, I think with the sound that you guys are putting out right now and the fact that you've been on so many placements that have done so well in the last, say, four years, like, you guys could easily dictate where the sound's going to go in your own way because it's the subtle things in songs that really make a difference sometimes. Maybe. Um, we don't even think about it that way, and that might be why we, we keep on getting calls from people. I mean, we, we really, really, the, I, I think we've said this before, like an interview or two, that when we stopped chasing the placements, everything fell into place. Yeah. Uh, so like the concept of dictating the sound doesn't, I can't imagine that necessarily because we just, we just make, we just make music that's true to us at the time that we're making it, you know, like, and that's all. And the other thing is we want to die empty. Um, okay. All of our music to be out by the time we die. Uh, that's impossible. Not everything. Yeah. But like, you still got a long, a, long, a long couple of years ahead of you, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but like, also, we make a lot of music. Like, if I'm being honest with you, I just sent two projects to my, like, for two brass tracks projects that are, like, no one's ever heard to my managers, literally, just last night. Like, Con Connor knows all the songs. Like, there, we, I, I could give away titles and everything. Like, it's, uh, and they were like, you guys are already ready? And it's like, it's not even that me and Connor got back together. It's that we have so much more music to put out. Golden Ticket is, the like, the, the tip of the iceberg. Like, there's, underneath that, there's a whole, like, the amount of Connor and I, the first session that we did for the album, we went to Flux and did 20 ideas in two days. And we still have about 10 of those ideas that sound crazy. And we got to turn those into records and put them out. Like we want, we, that's what like we want to die empty means. So like two years, like, geez, I got two years of music work uh, on my hard drive right now. Like yeah. I, that, that's no problem. I'm, I'm kind of thinking more of what are we doing 10 years? Um, and, is it, uh, is it, is it even like brass tracks music, or is it like cultivating a community of people that like can create together as friends in like a really awesome like safe place that is not dictated by like uh, trends. trends or anything? Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's so important because, like you said, it's the creativity and the freedom that you need when you're you feel pressure to do something, you lose inspiration for it. So I hear exactly what you're saying. Don't get, don't get it twisted. I hear exactly what you're saying. But the one thing is, though, there are dream placements that everyone wants. Obviously, we've spoken about you guys getting featured on Black Radio 3. I'm, saying, I'm putting it out there already. So that's that. But who else? Obviously, I know you guys work with Anderson Pack as well. So who else is there that you'd want to work with in the short term? Let's call it short term, not the 10 years, the short term. Okay. Um, Khan, you want to start? I mean, yeah, honestly, for me, I think I'm thinking a lot about like legends, you know, Mavis Staples is a singer that I would love to work with jazz people, people who don't maybe don't have much time left on the planet to be around that sort of inspiration, you know, the getting more in connection with like the elders of the the earth you know the music elders who have so much information and uh to just like be in their presence and just watch and learn and be a part of something i, mean, I think a lot about that do you know what i think i think about that sometimes myself but from the perspective that 
Imagine in their time when we didn't have technology this good and the quality they were able to put out. So have you ever thought about trying to do a retro theme, like where you're kind of paying respects to the kind of, you know, the, the elders that you're, you know, you're saying the, the older tastemakers from the sound. Have you ever thought about incorporating that in or is it, would it just be better just to work with them and see what comes out of that crazy session? Yeah. A hybrid, I think the hybrid would be the first, um, the first iteration, but you know, I kind of, that, I, like I was saying earlier, we've entertained the idea of making a record that was more in the would land in, in a more jazzy sphere. I don't know when that would, come about but maybe then that intention would dictate who we who we would work with you know but i think mm. first it would probably be um a hybrid within what we're already the sound we're already cultivating yeah you know what i don't know if you guys have worked already as well obviously this isn't someone who's got like a short bit of time left but like a rick ross santorini grease but a brass tracks collaboration would be crazy uh, uh, with Rick Ross? Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. I love that. That would, I think like, because you think about like Santorini Greece, you look at the way that's kind of set up, like you guys could do something similar to that, but take it to another level. And it'd be crazy. I'd be mm. so down, as long as other people are like, know like what they're getting into by working with us. <laughs> you know, like, like obviously we'll, we'll do whatever, but like if Rick Ross wanted to make a track with some, like live instruments run through like a bunch of like tubes and like how crazy would that be that'd be outrageous how, would, how crazy would it like an afrobeat sounding like you know how like the sound of a, a an og afrobeat record not i'm not i'm talking like Bela, Bela not, yeah like the sound of that but with like hip-hop drums under it and like not like afrobeat but like literally the, the tape the tape sound yeah like hip-hop drums under it and rick ross and brass that would be sick to me i'd, I'd yeah. love that that would be listen i think we're just we're brainstorming ideas i was moving away from the interview format right now <laughs> we got to you in yeah listen i'm here i'm here i'm here i'm here just next time to a zoom we'll get we'll get some ideas brainstorming and we'll make it happen you know what i mean we'll call rick ross great listen he'll be he might be the next square in the in the zoom call see what happens <laughs> but let's talk about like as we're getting to a close so like obviously because we're in you guys are in like a more serious lockdown than we are in the uk so like have you guys been able to lock in in person or have you just been kind of sharing ideas through the phone or you know what else Connor, how, how's it been for you yeah we've done a few like a few things um at at a studio that we work at but the first the beginning of lockdown for for me and you know for i think for brass tracks was like kind of a reflection period a reset obviously we were still working towards putting the album out but um i know the first couple months were like i don't know using is using the space as an opportunity to like take a break for a second and not have that constant nagging voice that's like you need to produce you need to produce you need to produce but now, now that we're kind of subtly falling back into a semblance of normalcy, we're getting in the studio again and um, yeah, sharing ideas and stuff. Um, How's that feeling? How's that feeling been? Because when you know you miss the studio vibe. Nah, it was nice to get back into the studio because like 
the, the reflection period, the break, the break was nice, but then eventually you're like, okay, but what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, like, you know, we have that urge to create and we can't just like suppress that forever. So. Yeah, I hear that. Listen, just when you start doing nostalgic things, like Ivan, I know you're trying to watch Pokemon during lockdown. Oh, yo, I've been playing Pokemon during lockdown. What sort of show? Come on, dog. Wait, you better, yeah? <laughs> I got my Nintendo Switch right here. Bad. There you go. Listen, we've we've done a lot. We've done a lot in this interview, man. It's it's been a it's been a bit of a journey. I'm glad to be able to chat to you guys as well. Obviously, we can have a whole Game Boy Advance SP, all of that chat. Another time. For the yeah. next one. The next one. But is there any other messages that you want to say to the people before you before we all keep it moving? Um, Connor? Anything you want to um, say? I mean, just anybody out there, like, you know, listening to us and for, supporting us, thank you so much. You know, you keep us going. You keep us inspired to continue making music. So thank you. Yeah. Um, and wear a mask. It's a sign of respect and uh, arrest the cops that murdered Breonna Taylor. And yeah, that's what we got. There we go. Guys, I appreciate you. Thank you for the conversation today. Absolutely. So yeah. good talking to you. Thanks for having us. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.